some of you were here in April. Uh, it was April when we did our women's thing, correct? Wasn't it April? In, was it June? Okay, back in June. And y'all remember the story about uh, when we were going to, Miss Dana and Miss Verse and I were all going to get together and choose what we were going to speak on. And then the week later, Miss Versey calls and says, well, let me tell you, I'm going to speak on this and Miss Dana's going to speak on this and you get to speak on uh, having a sound mind. <laughs> and so guess what? It's a real treat for you, for me to do this tonight, because tonight we're going to speak on the tongue. And I'm like, the Lord has my number, and he gives it to Miss Mercy. And I'm like, mm. But I have to tell you all the coolest thing that happened to me when I was walking up this afternoon. I was right here about at the door, and my phone rang, and it was Miss Mercy. And she was like, Anita, you are coming tonight, aren't you? And I was like, Versi, I am in Houston. She went, what? I was like, she's about to give me a lashing with her tongue. I better stop this right now. So anyway, I, I hope and pray that uh, God would give me the voice to uh, speak tonight. Uh, we were sick. Our little family up on the Bird Hill was sick all last week. And so I hope my voice will last. So anyway, we are going to get started. And I hope that you've been going through your booklet as we've been studying these past several weeks. And uh, Miss Versi and Miss Dana taught uh, a lesson. But uh, we have been talking about real faith. And tonight, before we start talking about lesson five, I want you to know that none of us are perfect. None of us. Stop beating yourself up for the imperfections that we all see in our own self. Show yourself mercy. Give yourself grace. Allow him to sanctify you. It's a process. Um, start showing mercy to others and show mercy to yourself. Uh, I, I'm telling you, um, when Versi was talking uh, Sunday, uh, the Sunday before you talked about um, the mother, the children, blah, blah, blah. This Sunday you talked a lot about how we should treat our husbands. And uh, I, I wrote in my notes, Brian Bird is so perfect for me. I mean, I, I bet you not even an eighth of you know who he is. He's so quiet. He never says hardly anything. And uh, as I studied this week, and I did struggle with my tongue. I'm going to tell y'all, <laughs> I struggle with my tongue. I told Brianna, uh, we were driving up here, and I told her, I said, man, your dad is a man of few words. And very few times can I ever remember that he is been sinful in his speech because he doesn't say much but uh, anyway I mean sometimes we think spiritual giants are those that is up on a big platform that we see all the time and I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven those that were really mature Christians in their walk with the Lord but we've learned so far 
that, uh, and I don't know what Miss Versi calls these little things in our booklet, but in uh, and, and lesson four, our first real faith, I call them your first real faith box. It's in a box. So anyway, our very first one was real faith shows no partiality. And uh, as I studied this uh, lesson for tonight, um, I went back and I even studied that. And man, to tie that in that God shows no partiality, we should ask ourselves, do we really love like God loves? Do we really love others like he loves them? And the true test is, do we love others like we love ourselves? And tonight as we talk, this won't be a fun night, of course. I don't get that night. I'm just playing with you, Versi. Uh, God knows I need this worse than anybody in this room. Uh, I want us to remember, and it tells us in our lesson, let's not look at other people. Let's look at ourselves. Let's be true and honest and let God work in our own heart. So, you know, ask yourself, do we really love others as much as we love ourselves? And the evidence of this is to bear fruit, to fruit of obedience, to be a doer. And James 2.8 says to love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought that is the truest test of showing no partiality if you really love your neighbors as you love yourself. Um, the second real faith that we've learned is that real faith actually does God's work. We're to be a doer and not a hearer only. And for us who've been in church our whole life, we, we've heard that our whole life. Uh, John 13, 35 says that everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And I want us to think about how is that demonstrated in our life, how we love others. I want you to be thinking about that. A, a fruit bearer, does your fruit match your profession of faith? And as I was studying this uh, this month, <laughs> ever since Percy asked me to talk, uh, real faith serves God and others. You know, even the demons, they, they know about God. They hear, they know, but they don't serve God. They don't serve others. That's what it means to be a doer. Do you serve God? Do you serve others? The title of tonight's lesson is Faith with Words and Wisdom. So y'all remember that, Words and Wisdom. Tonight we're going to look at James chapter 3. And first we're going to examine the damage our tongue, our words can cause if we don't learn to bridle our tongue. That's found in James 3, verses 1 through 12. And then we're going to look at wisdom. James talks about wisdom in chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. So we're going to talk about those two things tonight. Obvious fruit in our everyday life is our speech and our attitudes, which spring from the what? Springs from our heart. Um, speech is our words. Our attitudes, and I want y'all to hang on to this, attitudes is wisdom manifested out in our daily lives. 
attitude. Oh, she has an attitude. Or she has the sweetest attitude. Y'all know those kind of people I'm talking about. So the definition of attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something that is typically reflected in someone's behavior. Okay, attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something typically reflected in a person's behavior. And there's two types of wisdom. There's true wisdom, true wisdom from above, and then there's false wisdom. False wisdom, James 3.15 tells us, is earthly, natural, and demonic. We're getting deep, aren't we? (laughs) So let's first talk about our words. Let's talk about our tongue. Since we know that our speech and our attitude comes from the heart, we want to heed what Proverbs 4.23 says. It tells us to watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. So we are to watch over our heart, to guard our hearts. If one thing you get from tonight, I want you to walk away with remembering this, that our words set, set the course of our life. I want y'all to think about that. You have got to embrace that and believe that with your whole being. Our words truly do set the course of our life. And you think about the days that you've gotten up and you've been in prayer, you've walked with the Lord, your conversations have been sweet with other people. And you think about the other times that you haven't had that quiet time with the Lord, you haven't spent time with Him, and somebody walks by you and... You just let them have it. And it seems like the whole day goes that way. And our days turn to weeks and months and years. And so James tells us that our words set the course of our lives. An evil tongue pollutes not only a man's personal life, but it contaminates all of his activities as well. James 3, 6 says that it defiles the entire body. It ruins a man's witness for Christ. Have you ever known a person who professed to be a Christian and and you know they're a Christian, but so many times their mouth has just destroyed their whole witness for Christ. It's like they're not even effective for him. We don't want to be that person. If we are that person, we can repent of that. That, God can change that. But we want to examine ourselves and, and truly look to see what kind of person we are as it relates to our tongue. James 3, 1 says, um, For we all stumble, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect Man, he's complete, he's mature, able to bridle the whole body as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I want that to sink in, and I want you to think about really what James is saying there. 
And really, how many people do you know that really can bridle their tongue? Remember, we've learned that that is the goal in James, is to be a, a perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That is our whole goal. James includes himself in this. Did y'all catch that when you did your lesson? James includes himself. He struggles with his tongue as well. We all struggle with our tongue. In James 3, uh, verses 4 through 8, it gives us five figures of speech of the tongue. Our book mentions three, but I, I say that James shows us five. So the first three that we talk about are the first three that's mentioned in our book. The first one is a horse's bridle. And the whole time I've read and studied on this, I always think about Bo. <coughs> Bo's always dealing with the horse, and Brandy grew up with Bo riding horses. and So I've thought about Bo. But a bridle, bridles are the harness, harnesses which go over the horse's head and holds the bits in the mouth of the horse. The bit is connected to the reins, right, Brianna? If you hold the reins, riding a horse, if you can control the bit, you can control the horse. So even though the tongue is as small as a bit, it controls our life for good or for bad. The tongue sets the course for life. I hope y'all get that. <coughs> <clears throat> a rudder in verse 4. A rudder is, a very, is very small compared with the ship itself. It weighs only a fraction of the weight of a ship. <clears throat> when the rudder is turned, it controls the direction of the ship. And it's incredible to know that one can control such a huge vessel with such a relatively small device. And we should not misjudge the power of our tongue by its small size. My tongue sets the course for my life. Then he talks in verses 5 and 6 about a fire. So he says, A lighted match, carelessly tossed, may start a brush fire, which make not a whole forest fire, and a charred mess of ruins. Such a small match can create such devastation. We hear about forest fires in California and all over. They're started by very small things. And look at the devastation. James compares that to our tongue. Though the tongue is a very small part of our body, its potentials for wickedness are almost infinite. It's limitless to what the damage our tongue can do. The tongue can defile the whole body. A person can corrupt the whole about his whole character by using his tongue to slander, abuse, lie, swear. My tongue sets the course of my life, and your tongue sets the course for your life. This is a great thing for us to learn, but to teach our children at such a small age what their words can do. 
The next thing that uh, he talks about in verse 7, and our book, our book doesn't uh, emphasize this, but he talks about a wild creature. And uh, it says that all creatures of the world, that humans have tamed all creatures, but humans cannot tame the tongue. Since the fall of man, man does not have the ability nor the strength to tame the tongue. It cannot govern this tiny little member of our body. Only God can do that. Only God. The tongue sets the course of life. And the last thing that James uh, compares the tongue to is an unruly evil. Does that sort of take your breath away? The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison, not just poison, but deadly poison. So the tongue can poison minds and assassinate the character of others. The tongue sets the course of life. So who can measure the pain that we cause others, the tears that we've caused to flow, the broken hearts, the ruined reputations, Remember, we're examining ourselves. So who can measure the misery it's brought to our own families, to our own life? The inward bitterness that has been aroused, the shame of having to apologize, the bad effects it has on our health. Have you ever known anyone just because of, you know, just the way they live their life, the way they use their mouth that, you know, just the stress of that causes health issues. The price we have to pay for undisciplined use of our tongue is enormous. Have y'all ever said anything and then you thought, oh, Lord, forgive me for that. And can, can you just have mercy, Father Lord, and cover that up for me? And nine times out of ten, he graciously does cover a multitude of sin. But, um, Man, we have to really control that tongue very well. We must recognize the power of the tongue and the fact that the tongue sets the course of life. James tells us that no man can tame the tongue. But he also tells us, Scripture tells us, what fuels the tongue. What fuels the tongue? Our heart, that is right, our heart. So what should we do? We should diligently work to change our heart. We should pray daily asking the Lord for wisdom from above. James 5 tells us if we lack wisdom, we are to ask God for wisdom, who gives it to us graciously, gives it to us graciously. So since we know that our speech and our attitudes come from the heart, we want to heed what Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over our heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. I don't know if you picked up this uh, verse from our study, but Psalms 141.3 is an amazing verse that we should pray every day, every day. It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the doors of my lips. I think that is a beautiful scripture to just pray all day long. 
Let's look at these uh, a couple of verses and note the role of a heart trained in righteousness. And this was in our study. Proverbs 139, 23, and 24, and so many of us know this by heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me. How many times do we actually pray that and ask God to reveal our hearts to ourselves so we can be repentant of that? It says, lead me in the way everlasting Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. How many times have you started to say something and you were like, I need to shut my mouth, I need to shut my mouth. And you know, blah, 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 blah. You just, it just goes. Uh, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. And my husband and my whole family are praying with me, you know, about that so um but it says you know the heart of the righteous they ponder how to answer uh proverbs sixteen twenty three: the heart of the wise instructs his mouth so i'm being instructed i just have to heed that instruction and close it <laughs> uh psalms nineteen fourteen has been a life verse for me ever since my children have been babies if we just lived out this one verse. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So these are the things that we should be doing to train in righteousness, to train our heart. Uh, James tends to test a person's spiritual health by one's conversation. So self-diagnosis begins with sins of speech. In Proverbs 10, 19, I know I've read this verse before, but wow. This is one of my new life verses. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. That's the English Standard Version. Uh, The New American Standard Version says, when there are many words, transgression or sin is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So a lot of words, going to sin. Little words, little sin. <laughs> Proverbs uh, 13.3, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. I think God puts those scriptures in there for us to take heed to those scriptures and how many times do do we not? Uh, James 3, 9 through 12 also reminds us that our speech should be consistent. You know, he talks about can a fountain bring forth salt water and fresh water? Uh, You know, a strawberry plant isn't going to produce blueberries. He's made nature to be consistent. And so he desires his children who are made in his image to be consistent as well in our speech and in our words. We never plan to speak harshly or even listen to such talk or to be rude. But without diligence and restraint, it can and it does happen. Without self-discipline, it can and it does happen. 
we must train our hearts. Self-discipline is so important. Uh, these verses uh, show inconsistency. And you think about if, if this is you or if you know a person that this describes. Jeremiah 9.8 says, Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceit. With his mouth, one speaks peace to his neighbor, but inwardly, he sets an ambush for him. That's, that's just wicked, isn't it? <laughs> Psalms 12.2, they speak lies to one another. They speak with flattering lips and a double heart. And then these verses uh, consistently tell us how important our words are. The same one, the Proverbs 10, 19, where there's many words, transgression is unavoidable. And then Proverbs 26, 20 says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no gossiper, quarrels quiet down. So, so that brings us in our lesson to our third faith box. And it's number three. Our pages aren't numbered. I numbered my book. Uh, so number three, real faith, is careful with words. Real faith is careful with words. The tongue, though small, is capable of great damage. It sets the course of our life. No one can tame the tongue. Only God can. It's full of deadly poison. It's fueled by the heart. Therefore, we are to guard our heart, for from it the mouth speaks. So we know the heart's wicked. We know it's sick. It needs a cure. We know that Christ is the only cure. And we know that if we're in Christ, that we're to go to him and ask him for wisdom. So remember tonight, we're words and wisdom. So now let's talk about wisdom. So, true wisdom is from above, and false wisdom is earthly, natural, and demonic. And we will go over those. The last few verses of chapter 3 speaks of how true wisdom from above can triumph over fleshliness from within, from our heart, which is deceitful and full of worldly, sinful wisdom. And we will see how seeking true wisdom from above is how we actually do guard our heart so our tongue can be controlled by the Lord. James 3.13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. The wise and the understanding person she does her work. She demonstrates her work and her deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. In all humility, the fruit of the Spirit is evident. In verse 14, the opposite of true wisdom is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. You can probably right now from your walk in life, know of someone in your work or your family or an acquaintance who's just bitter, jealous. They're always about selfish ambition. Ambition is a strong desire to accomplish a goal. And selfish is when your ambition becomes all about you. 
bitter jealousy is resentment. Uh, it's thinking that someone is wanting to try to take something that you're very passionate about that you love and you get very defensive and angry and you get controversial and fight about it and some people that's just how they are they just, they just have a bitter jealousy that's how their spirit is James 3:15 says that that kind of wisdom is not from above but it's earthly it's natural and it's demonic earthly means that it's not from heaven it's from earth natural it's not from the holy spirit it's from man demonic it stoops to actions that resemble the behavior of demons rather than man that that's pretty strong so uh, it goes on to say that where jealousy and self-ambition run rampant there is disorder and every evil thing one thing I want you ladies to uh, start thinking about and really recognizing in our lives that a lot of things that we go through in our lives is a spiritual battle. And if uh, people you work with, uh, if you have family members that aren't Christians, that don't have discernment, that can't recognize spiritual warfare, you know, they, they blame the person. They, you know, blame the circumstance. Uh, but spiritual war warfare is very real. You know, and so um, I always just keep in mind that to seek heavenly wisdom, our heart is deceitful. Don't go on our own fleshly wants and desires. So we're almost to the very last verse. We're going to talk about James 3.17, and it talks about what I call the attitudes of the heart. In this one verse, it talks about, wisdom personified it talks about wisdom from above that's lived out in our lives and it says but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable gentle open to reason full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere i thought wow so to be pure, and I want you to think about yourself when we go through these words, okay? Pure is clean, undefiled in thought, word, action. Peaceable is do all you can without sacrificing purity. I'll tell you a quick story about two little goats. There's two little goats going across a bridge of water narrow narrow bridge and they get to the top so narrow they can't go around each other they'd fall off they can't back down go back they have to get across so eventually one little goat lays down the other little goat walks over him crosses to the other side and then this little goat gets to go to the other side that's what peaceable is be content if your person is trod upon for peace sake not your conscience don't don't give in to purity don't give in to what is not right but if it's if it's just your person that's trod upon for peace sake be content with that that's okay that's okay gentle gentle is forbearing it's not overbearing it's courteous it's not crude 
It's respectful of the feelings of others. Reasonable. Reasonable means to be approachable, open to reason, willing to give in when truth requires it. It doesn't always have to be our way. It's okay. It doesn't have to be our way. Full of mercy and good fruits. That means that you give mercy, you give forgiveness to those who are wrong, and you're anxious to help them find the right way. You're compassionate and kind. You reward in, uh, inconsiderate behavior with well-meaning kindness. Is that you? Do you do that? To be impartial is unwavering. It does not produce favoritism. Impartial to its treatment of others. And to be sincere is without hypocrisy. It's sincere. You're genuine. You don't pretend to be other than what you actually are. So, I'm going to give you a picture of true wisdom, and then I'm going to give you a picture of false wisdom. And I want you to just think about yourself. We're examining our own self right now, just ourself. And I want you to see if you can see the characteristics of yourself. What characteristics? We're not all going to have all of these. Uh, but what characteristics do you see in this right here in true wisdom? This is God of wisdom. Are you genuinely humble? Do you estimate others to be better than yourself? Do you put others at ease immediately? Do you live for the spirit and not the body? In word and deed, do you point others to Jesus? Are you morally and spiritually clean? Are you peaceable? Do you take insults and false accusations without fighting back and without trying to justify yourself? That's hard to do. Are you gentle? Are you mild-mannered? Are you tender-hearted? Are you habitually kind to everyone especially to those who don't deserve it? Do you produce no favoritism? Do you show no favoritism? Favoritism causes division. Do you flatter others for selfish gain? That's true wisdom. This is false wisdom. Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> we'll all see some of ourselves in here. Don't beat yourself up. But let's be honest and examine ourselves. This is false worldly wisdom. See if you have any of this in you that we need to ask God for help to grow us. Is your life full of envy and strife? Are you determined to enrich yourself? Are you intolerable? To, to competition, striving to accomplish the same thing that you're trying to accomplish? Are you striving to gratify your natural appetites and desires? Are your methods cruel, treacherous, and devilish? Is your thought life polluted, your morals debased or reduced in value? 
Is your speech unclean? Are you argumentative with others? Are you contentious? Are you a controversial person? Are you harsh and rude and overbearing? Are you approachable? Are you reasonable? Are you unforgiven, unforgiving and vindictive? Do you seek revenge? Do you value people only if they can benefit you in some way? And do you lose interest in people when they can no longer benefit you? So those are two pictures, a picture of true wisdom, a picture of false wisdom. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what type of wisdom do I manifest in my daily life? And that brings us to our fourth real faith. Real faith displays godly attitudes. And remember when we started, I said those godly attitudes, that's wisdom displayed in our life. And so um, God wants us to be doers of the word by manifesting true godly wisdom in our daily lives. And so as you go home tonight, I want you to ask yourself, what kind of wisdom do you store up in your heart that is manifested every day in our lives? Is your faith real? Does your faith show no partiality? Loving others like Jesus loves? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? I'm asking myself these questions. Does your faith really do God's work? Are you a doer of his word and not only a hearer only? Do you serve God and others? Is your faith careful with words? Have you bridled your tongue? Are you guarding your heart? Does your faith display godly attitudes? Does your life manifest a person who follows godly wisdom or worldly wisdom? So my takeaway verse for tonight is, is Proverbs 10:19, where there are many words, transgression, sin is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Man, if I can get that one verse, just that one verse, I'm like, tell somebody you have to go get a drink or go to the restroom. Just walk away if you can't close your lips, you know. So, uh, but what is your life first to help you to be careful with your words and demonstrate godly attitudes? So, wasn't a fun lesson, but we all need that from time to time to examine ourselves, so. Miss Percy, you have anything you want to say? You can win more uh, flies with honey than you can with vinegar. You know what he? You know what he was just trying to get me to just just settle down. It'll be all right. You know, and uh, 
But, you know, I, I, over time, I have learned, and I thank God for that, that he is, and, and I still have a lot of room to grow. Um, because I, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, I, it, I, you know, I think that, you know, things just come, will just come out. And then I'll think, where in the world did that come from? Why did I say that? Why did I? But, you know, it was there already. It was. And, uh you know, I think that's just one thing we have to continually contend with uh, is our heart because although we can't look upon the heart, God can, but we can't, what we do see is what's manifested on the outside. And it will, you know, it'll come out before you can, you know, even and think, you know. And then um, it's just it, we have to continually, continually guard, uh, be on our guard. Um, I forgot what I was about to say to follow up that. But one thing I do want to say, Paul Tripp, in one of our parenting classes, he says this. He says, uh, people will say when a man gets drunk, he says things that he doesn't mean. Paul Tripp says when a man gets drunk, he says what's already in his heart. He just doesn't have a filter you know, and that that is true. That is true. But I, I think it's uh, assuring that James even tells us that he struggled with his tongue. We all do. Scripture tells us that no man can tame the tongue. And so um, this was more convicting to me than it was to any of you. Uh, so um, it's just something that, that keeps us humble and keeps us drawn nearer to the heart of God. God, we just thank you so much for allowing us all to be here tonight. Father Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And Father Lord, I just pray for every lady that's represented here tonight. And I pray, Father Lord, as we go through the hustle and bustle of our life and our families, Father, and our work and our children, that you would just tumble us, Father Lord, that we would uh, realize that uh, you are by far more precious to us than anything here on this earth even our children and our spouses and father lord i pray that we would just take our salvation and that we would handle that with care father lord that we would serve others as you would have us serve and that father lord that we would just be god pleasing at all that we do father i do pray that you would just reveal our hearts to us father that you would uh make it break us father lord and make us more like you and uh i just pray that you just protect these ladies as they go home i pray father lord they would be a blessing to their family and i pray that they would have the week of uh, just being pleasing to you and we ask all of these things in christ's name amen